0: What's the most hilariously useless magic item you've ever had in Dungeons & Dragons? In my last campaign, my players got a hammer that shoots confetti and makes a party blower sound on crits. A dramatic moment happened where he had to put his pet owlbear down, as it was morphing into a monstrosity because of the big bad evil guy. Because the creature was on the ground morphing, he auto-crit. The beast lies there, writhing in pain, trying to hold on to its own self for as long as possible. You lift your hammer solemnly into the air, feeling the ways of not only the weapon, but the situation. As you bring it down, you feel flesh give as the skull has been pulverized from the transformation. The sound of teeth clacks against the ground, echoing in the room around you. The party looks at the ground, and a moment of silence consumes you all. Bow, 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 bow. So I'm doing my second video on Dungeons & Dragons stories in two weeks, don't hate. And yes, every time the chance to do this comes up, I'm going to leap at it like the hyper-obsessed nerd that I am. The plus three sword of Edward Tumbleton slaying. Edward Tumbleton was a tailor in a nearby city. They discovered a sword that was very effective at killing him. Just him. Neither the party nor any other person on the planet had any reason to kill the guy. The party ended up killing him by blowing up his shop with a fireball. The sword was never used. Poor Edward Tumbleton. I think at some point he got on the bad side of an artificer who told him, I have a sword with your name on it, and it turned out to be true. Gave my party a sash of swimming, see retextured aquatic cummerbund. They put it on the donkey pulling their wagon and promptly forgot about it. I haven't though. Two years later, I haven't. ha! <laughs> still waiting on the moment that the donkey will be the only one to survive the flood. The donkey is going to get sold or killed, and they won't remember the sash of swimming. That's what my party would do. The mug of pea Warm Chongo. Turn any liquid that enters its internal volume into, you guessed it, Warm Chongo, the temperature of fresh pee-pee. They threw it into the sea. And yes, while it would eventually produce an infinite amount of PWC, it didn't produce it faster than the various flora and fauna of the sea could consume it as current carried it away. The toils of all that be, help not the primal fault. Rivers flow into the sea, yet still the sea is salt. I used to love making magical items that were off the wall. I felt like the game's items didn't reflect the silly stuff someone would make if they had the time and manic attention to detail. There's a devil called Chiton. It's chain-wrapped, chain-swinging, freaky, pain-loving Hellraiser type. My party fought one in a dungeon. He's wearing a unique amulet that makes chain. You place a piece of chain on the surface and the amulet starts slowly, magically generating a chain of the same dimensions. It only makes 10 feet a day, but over time you could make a few gold-selling mundane chain. I just thought it was thematic and interesting. The party left the dungeon, went to town, found a smith, and poured their entire life savings into making two links of solid gold chain that would make Flava Flav weep. And I wept. What a fool I was. Reminds me of when my DM, tired of us breaking down doors, introduced adamantine doors on a massive castle, but he let us lift them off the hinges. We got so rich we decided to abandon the campaign. I gave one of my players a delicious magical sandwich that regenerated itself each day as long as you didn't eat the crust. It didn't offer any benefit when you ate it, it was just an infinite sandwich. That sandwich became a character in and of itself. The amount of time that was spent talking about the sandwich, its contents, the flavor, etc., was crazy. Every player described how their character would ogle the sandwich whenever it was bought out. That character is gone now, but she kept that sandwich right up until retirement. She spends her time in Candlekeep Library, devouring knowledge, and also the sandwich. Wait, as long as you don't eat the crust, what if you cut it in half and separate the two halves? Would each half generate a whole sandwich as long as there are no bites taken out of it? It's the deep philosophical questions like this that keep me coming back to Reddit. Yeah, there are any number of minor items in D&D that are capable of changing the course of human or humanoid development when you think about their broader implications, if they were used to their best effect instead of just by a random bunch of idiot heroes. Fun stuff. Ring of Fire Detection. Range. Touch. I had a merchant selling some knick-knacks, and one of them was a ring of fire identification. If you pointed it at something, it would declare in a loud, clear voice, Fire! Or, Not Fire! Obviously useful when facing illusory flames, but for some reason the party didn't spring for it. A fire distinguisher! A rope that couldn't be tied, not even for a second. They were facing a dragon who loved puzzles and eating non-dragons. They gave him the rope and made the deal that if the dragon couldn't make a knot within an hour, then the dragon would need to let them pass through. Our party's DM gave us a magical, mysterious bag. When we opened it, we pulled out a turtle. We reach in again, thinking there must be something else to this bag. We pull out a rabbit. Still thinking that there must be something else, something more meaningful to this item, we reach in again and pull out a nine-foot-tall deer. It really was just a backpack that lets you pull out random animals. My bard proceeds to use speak with animals, then charms the deer to let us ride him. We named him Preston and he's been our ridiculously massive means of transportation ever since. The rod of irony was a fishing rod that you could only find by fishing it up. Using it only fished up more rods of irony, we used them for firewood. I'd become a fishing rod salesman. They found a wand that creates a random and unique lock that incorporates itself into the substance it's used on, so it might make a suspicious recess in a stone wall or a brass-plated keyhole on a wooden door. If probed with lockpicks, you would encounter moving tumblers or some other appropriate but unique locking mechanism. It didn't magically create a compartment, it just made a lock. Even if you used it on a desk drawer, it never made a latch or bolt. So the drawer would open perfectly fine while having a useless metal cylinder with tumblers that weren't connected to anything. If you successfully picked the lock, it always felt like a real lock despite lacking the physical pieces, it would make a soft chiming noise and the lock would evaporate. The wand was a training tool used by a famous locksmith to challenge himself and his students. It had no practical application at all outside of that profession. It ended up being used by the druid, who had ranks and magical device, don't ask, to constantly mess with the rogue. The druid would take every opportunity to wild shape into a small critter, good for scouting, and then place fake locks anywhere the rogue might conceivably try to use the search skill. The rogue's increasing paranoia whenever he found a lock and his overblown promises of vengeance every time a random hole in a floorboard wasted a minute of his time and chimed at him was a pretty good gag. It turned a little sour when the druid made an extra lock on an honest-to-goodness treasure chest. The rogue rolled a natural 20 to pick the first lock and got a chiming noise. Then he rolled a 3 and triggered an energy-draining trap that permanently lost him 5 HP. After that, the rogue stole every wand the druid had in the middle of the night and threw them all into a bottomless pit in the Underdark. I had a magical rod of rubber duck. Gave it to the party as a joke item because they kept asking for weird crap. Not one of them chose to identify it. It was an artifact-level rubber duck. Once it was part of your inventory, it would never leave it unless it wanted to. It had wisdom and intelligence of 28 sentience and it could be attuned. It was actually a great old one that could grant anyone a wish spell with 100% accuracy at the cost of two of the caster's levels. Nobody learned that it was probably the most powerful item in the game. And what is the function of a rubber duck? In the first campaign I played, the party began their journey by finding an orc woman in a tavern whose baby was stolen, and what she found in its place was a knife with a weird symbol on the handle. She sent us with the knife in search of the baby. We spent hours and hours and session after session never using the knife in combat. We then found out that the knife would turn anyone it cut into a lizard. My character ate peanut butter off that knife more than once before finding this out. It may just be me, but that item sounds far from useless. Facing a beholder? Slice? Now you're a gecko. Unstoppable vampire lord? Nope, it's a chameleon now. There's a reason polymorph is a popular spell for getting rid of powerful enemies while you wipe up their minions. My party has been carrying around a wand of disguised self they found in a magic store bargain bin for over a year and haven't used it yet, except that's not actually what it is, hence why it was in the bargain bin. It's actually a wand of, this guy's elf, which once a day can summon an incorporeal elven servant to carry out a simple task for you. I was so happy with myself for coming up with that one, and so sad they never even tried to use it, so the pun goes unheard forever. My infamous horn of resounding quacks was a hit. Summoned any duck within a half-mile radius of the person using it. The party never went hungry after that. For clarification, it was indeed to call any and all ducks within the half-mile radius, but it wasn't a matter of instant teleportation. The ducks have to travel, but do so willingly, answering the call of the horn. Poor ducks. If you're an evil DM, you can get them used to it, so they never bring food anymore, and then they put them in a duckless place. Have fun starving, boys. Depends on how you read it. Summon as in any duck within a half mile is summoned to you, there need to be ducks, or summon. Within a half mile radius around you, a duck is randomly summoned. If there were no ducks before, there is one now. It might be out of your sight, quacking, or standing behind some rocks a quarter mile away, but it's there nonetheless. Congratulations. The ethereal plane, the seventh layer of hell, and the deadly ruins of the great archwizard Asgordon are now infested with ducks because your gosh-damn bard kept blowing the horn every three seconds. I could see this. Some evil demigod lording over his demon minions, sneering as fire and smoke swirl around him, and then a duck appears on his lap. Then another. Then another on top of his throne. Suddenly, there's a dozen ducks all quacking about. Then hundreds. This is actually an incredibly powerful magic horn. You can submit your own stories to be featured here on the channel. The story submission link is in the description below. And if you want to listen to some vibey music in the background, check out Easy Mode, also linked below, and subscribe. I gave my players an alchemy jug. They had it for most of the campaign, and mostly forgot about it apart from the odd joke. But when building to the end, they used it to torture my main villain. They'd captured him. To find out what it was and how to stop him, they used the jug to pour mayonnaise down his throat until he agreed to talk. That gave them advantage on the intimidation check they had to carry out, which they succeeded on. So mayonnaise is an instrument of torture. In my third edition early days, my friend's older brother was DMing a game for my friends, my sister and me. One of the items we got rolled on the random table was a gust of wind fan. It's exactly what it sounds like. Wave it, creates a powerful enough gust of wind to propel a boat and possibly rips itself to tatters. Threw it in the pack and forgot about it. A few sessions later, we're defending a town from waves of invaders. The final boss is a cyclops or an etin or something. Big bruiser, we see it approaching, with enough time to prepare for its arrival. My sister asks us to use all of our healing potions and then give her the glass vials, which we do. Then she turns to the DM and calmly explains how she takes the vials with her up a guard tower. She smashes and grinds them up, waits for an opportune time, then uses the fan to blow a gust of powdered glass particles into the Etten's eyes. The look on this man's face, a cross between, holy crap, that's awesome. I'm so happy a story like this is in my campaign world now, and, frick, this boss was supposed to be difficult. In a game I'm currently in, our DM gave us a flask of endless water. It can produce water in a trickle, a flood, or a deluge that shoots 30 gallons of water in one turn. Our cleric has just fallen from a bridge over a chasm, and through clever bullcrapping, our sorcerer has managed to catch the fallen cleric with a web spell. As we're all racking our brains to figure out a way to save them, our cleric pulls out the flask and uses the water cannon mode to propel herself back onto the bridge, using the web strands as a fulcrum. This sounds like what happens when you play D&D with engineers. I'm not sure me or any of my players would have ever thought about using it in that capacity. More water-based shenanigans follow. I had to literally ban the 3.5 spell Create Water because my entire party rolled classes that could learn it. The default is Cleric or Druid, but there's books that award it to arcane casters as well, and solved everything with the stupid cantrip. It would blow your mind how many puzzles, traps, combat encounters, and social situations can be solved by liberal application of magic water. Someone refuses to talk, waterboard them. Pressure plates might be down this hallway, set them off from distance with a flood. There's a locked anything, break it by dropping water from a height. Ambushed? Turn the road to mud and run away. Setting an ambush? Turn the road to mud and wait. Starving? You can survive for 10 days on just water need to escape from a conversation, a pipe bursts, and the building floods. The list goes on. Turns out physicists and engineers can turn a cantrip into the power equivalent of a ninth level spell, given enough thought. I have an idea for my next character now. Uh, Your party and DM do have to be on board for this to work. We would literally spend half of a six-hour session doing math and digging through the books in order to make this kind of thing happen. We found it fun. Most tables likely would not find it fun. We ended up with Excel sheets for things like newtons of force in terms of D, X, and air expenditure by race in terms of volume per hour, accounting for increased and decreased size categories. They did all of this to justify plans like shrinking themselves down, jumping in an extra-dimensional hole with fixed dimensions, and mailing themselves into a building. Yes, there was an easier way. No, it wasn't as much fun. The ban was fairly well agreed on, eventually. The cantrip shenanigans were amusing for a few weeks, but they ultimately got tired of already having the solution to every encounter, and we agreed to limit its use out of combat, non-encounter scenarios. You want to create a slip and slide to navigate a wizard's tower? No. Once my party got a huge, beautiful magic sword, which was improperly identified as a sword of ogre slaying. Instead, it was a cursed sword of ogre saying. Whoever wielded it would only be able to yell, OGRE! at things. Several adventures later, they were attempting to catch a thief who was evading them. They came up with the brilliant idea of setting the sword as bait and just going about their business. Sure enough, some time later, they heard, Ogre! 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 Ring out through the town, and they caught him without consequence. Reminds me of the Ring of Hunan Influence from Volume 3 or 4 of the Encyclopedia Magica from 2nd edition AD&D. Whenever attempted to be used, it caused a painful burning sensation in the user's mouth that could only be removed by consuming 1d4 plates of rice. The Ring of Hunan Influence. This jade ring is decorated with oriental characters including Fu Manchu and Charlie Chan. It affects all food eaten by the wearer. There is no noticeable change in taste, but one round after being eaten, the food begins to burn for 1d4 HP damage per round. Water only makes the burning worse. Plus 1 HP to the damage for one round. Only eating 1d6 plates of rice will ease the pain. However, no matter how much food is consumed, the wearer still feels hungry an hour later. For anyone who doesn't know, Hunan is a Chinese province known for their hot and spicy food, which I assume this is a reference to. Not while I was DMing, but my favorite useless magic items to this day are the boots of Quick Step. Once per turn, you may click your heels as an action, to gain an action. It resulted in my character beginning each of his turn clicking his heels. It was marvelous. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. I wanted to tell you about a new podcast I thought you would like called The Re-Slayer's Take. It's a brand new all-ages actual play from Critical Role that follows a new group of adventurers within Exandria. After six misfit mercenaries are rejected from the elite monster hunting group The Slayer's Take, they band together and battle supernatural creatures across the rugged continent of Isilra. It has fresh adventures for a longtime critter or is a perfect first dip into the world of Critical Role. Check out the first episode if you like what you hear, and make sure you follow The Re-Slayer's Take wherever you get your podcasts. 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 Once had my party find a magic spoon. It emitted a terrible aura of dark illusion magic and merely holding it filled players with a sense of dread from its sheer chaotic energy. Its in-game abilities? It worked like a fork instead of a spoon. The arcane spork of plus five anxiety? Let it be known that the narrator is cackling maniacally and writing down magic item ideas while writing this script a modified version of the 5E wind fan that only works once a day and immediately looks tattered after use. So you can never use it multiple times, but it only works once every 24 hours. Now, it sounds like a not bad magical item, but the only times it's ever been used is to show people what it does. So an NPC says, hey, what's this fan do? The player grins, I'll show you. Useless gust of wind noises. It happened five times and then it got sold off to the underground scrapper they were working for was playing a campaign on a tropical island type of place, and an enemy knocked my weapon off a cliff, so I used a coconut as an improvised weapon, crit with that thing four times in a row, and decided to keep it for getting the final blow on people. Was a barbarian, and the DM liked that the coconut was killing things so much, he had me keep track of the kills, and eventually I had a 3-plus coconut that on a crit would ricochet until it didn't kill something. So basically, he gave me a coconut of great potential. A few odds and ends, a can of dehydrated water, just an empty can, a wand of kindling, just a stick to burn, a scroll of raised dead that makes a dead body float six inches off the ground, a ring of invisibility that turns only the ring invisible on use. One of my one-shot campaigns had all players at eighth level, so I wanted to give them magical items, but not anything too OP. So one of my monk players wanted a decanter of endless water, so I changed it to a homebrew version where it didn't do the stream, fountain, or geyser things, but instead it would pour endless alcoholic beverages. He could make the decanter fill with mojitos or margaritas or a Heineken, whatever, but only to get drunk. I thought it was harmless and fine until I realized he'd selected the way of the drunken master and got drunk on command anywhere and everywhere. It was quite fun. I'm writing a new one-shot and I might take some ideas from this post too. A DM once gave our party a mortar and pestle that let us grind out spices in fairly large quantities. We were supposed to use it as a hook to get involved with an army. It would have let the cooks keep the soldiers happy and put us in good graces of a local lord. Instead, we wound up completely abandoning that questline, setting up a spice shop, and went into business. It was supposed to be a one-off adventure, but we had a great DM and it turned into the best long-term campaign I've ever played in. It had a court intrigue, assassination attempts, war, curses, everything you could want. It ended when we all went our separate ways at the end of high school, with one of the business partners, Human, dying of old age, another, Elvin, selling his shares of the business to the dead one's heirs to retire, and my gnome faking his own death and leaving town to avoid a jealous husband, literally riding off into the sunset on a flying merchant ship. Man, you know how much spices cast once upon a time? More than their weight in gold. Saffron is still worth more than its weight in gold now. A quill of penmanship and literacy allowed any creature to write their thoughts down in perfectly legible common. A rogue in the party was obsessed with capturing different creatures and monsters to learn their thoughts, only to find that most animals just wrote onomatopoeia versions of normal animal sounds, like roar or quack. The party was sick of it and in a later adventure agreed to trade off the quill to a half-orc bodyguard in exchange for information to ambush one of the campaign's villains. The half-orc would have become a Thomas Paine-like thought leader and his first two books were dedicated to the party. I got a corncob pipe that made bubbles. Seriously, that's just it. Just bubbles. They didn't put people to sleep. They didn't explode under flames. Nothing. Maybe it would make someone's eyes burn if they rubbed it in. We were assaulting a town and I was part of the crew taking the gatehouse. We barred the windows and doors and I put the pipe under the edge of the door and blew it like I was inflating my own life raft in the ocean. Soon, bubbles were pouring out at the seams and the guards inside were panicking hardcore. One of them tripped on something and hurt himself on his own weapon. Once we opened the door, they came stumbling out and we cut them down while they were disoriented and distracted. Shortly thereafter, I traded the stupid pipe for various types of arrows at a Fletcher. I had that damn pipe for a long time and only used it once. We were playing through a pre-made campaign. At one point, the players retrieved a magical artifact, which turned out to be an orb of control dragons. It does exactly what you'd expect. In theory, it could have been very useful, except no dragons were showing up in the campaign, so it was basically useless. It did, however, lead to a running gag where our most paranoid player kept attempting to control dragon random NPCs to see if they were secretly dragons in disguise. Belt of teleportation that only transported the belt and the pants of the wearer to an unoccupied location within 60 feet of the user. I put it in as a gag, but the players started using it to startle opponents by teleporting pants just above them. The shenanigans increased when they discovered the belt, also teleported whatever was in the pants' pockets. My groups have a tradition of gifting players useless magic items with a birthday theme on their in-real-life birthday. Two of the favorites that I bestowed so far include a pair of boots that dropped streamers everywhere he walked, and a ring that turned the wearer's poop into chocolate cake, which could be eaten to regain one hit point. Why did you name this ring of healing poop cake? The Chocolate Fudge Maker. My DM gave my character a glove that when the word bravo is said, emits the sound of applause. My friend's character used it intentionally to blow our cover infiltrating an enemy stronghold because he wanted to fight something. RGM gave us an item which was the head of an ancient goblin king. This severed head had the power to give good advice to us, but it was completely unrelated to the question. What should we do to kill the dragon? Remember to wash your hands after using the bathroom. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, or if you want some vibey music to put on in the background, check out Easy Mode. If you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot. Everything linked in the description.